Welcome to Insights Now, a series of conversations designed to shine a light of clarity on the complex world of investing. Higher inflation, higher interest rates, and slowing consumer demand have all acted as headwinds to US equities this year and have contributed to large sell-offs in markets. As the third quarter earnings season kicks off, investors are trying to understand the outlook for earnings and for revenues and for margins. However, while risks around all these metrics are very real, valuations have also come down significantly and highlight the potential for attractive expected returns going forward. To discuss the outlook for US equities and how investors may best position themselves amidst macroeconomic uncertainty, I'm joined today by my colleague David Leibovitz, Global Market Strategist at JP Morgan Asset Management. So David, welcome back to Insights Now. Thanks for having me. So it's been a pretty challenging year to say the least for stock market returns, but valuations of course do look a lot better starting from here. So what do you think is going to be the main driver of equity returns going forward? Well, you make a, a very good point that you know this year has seen returns driven by a, a significant decline in the multiple against the backdrop where earnings estimates uh, have remained relatively resilient. Um, a lot of people are waiting for those earnings estimates uh, to be revised lower, and I know we'll get to that as part of our conversation here today. But you know, looking ahead, I, I think it's going to be the bottom line is that it's going to be a choppy equity market uh, over the next call it six to twelve months as we figure out whether or not we're going into a recession what impact that has on earnings. But as we get more clarity on the broader direction of travel, I, I do think that you'll see the multiple uh, become the heavy lifter, particularly as we come out the other side of this slowdown in economic activity. And just looking back over time, historically, it has been the multiple that has driven returns. So we're, we're probably in the short term looking at a period where, where it's more about earnings, uh, but then that should transition back to being more about the valuation. So we're recording this podcast at the start of the third quarter earnings season. So can you tell me from your perspective, how are things going so far and what do we expect? Um, and actually, for starters, could you also tell us which set of earnings numbers you actually follow? Absolutely. So so maybe I'll start with which earnings, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we're seeing uh, in terms of earnings. So wh when you think about the different types of earnings, there are really three different measures that people look at. Um, the first is going to be GAAP, which are you know uh, calculated in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. Uh, the second is operating, which begins to add back things uh, like option compensation, equity compensation, so on and so forth. Uh, and then the third is pro forma, which includes even more adjustments oftentimes made by the brokers themselves. When it comes to looking at these three different types of earnings, you know, we're always looking at all three and we recognize that the market tends to price off of the pro forma number. Uh, but interestingly, if you look over time, it's actually operating earnings, uh, which have demonstrated the highest correlation with equity returns. And so given the idea that, that stock prices follow earnings over time, we think it makes the most sense uh, to look at operating earnings. Now, in terms of what's going on in the current earnings season, we have about 10% uh, of estimates through the door. Generally speaking, the numbers have been uh, soft, but better than expected. And the, the one thing that has really jumped out at me coming out of the financial sector in particular has been the continued build of, of loan loss preserves. You know, that has been very much a drag on the overall earnings figure. But what causes pain today uh, can oftentimes, you know, cause a bit more pleasure tomorrow. And so we, we do think that while this is a headwind today, it will support earnings uh, likely in 2023. And, and the other thing I would point out 
out is that the margin number has bounced quite smartly from where it finished the second quarter. Uh, at the end of last quarter, we were tracking margins right around 11%, 10.9%. Uh, that number has jumped to 12.5%, and I think that that's going to be important to focus on uh, when it comes to thinking about the trajectory of earnings going forward. Okay, well, that, that's actually pretty optimistic. But uh, looking further ahead, though, how do you see earnings doing in, in 2023? So I think maybe if we start with 2022, um, Consensus estimates are still mildly positive. Our own model has actually tipped uh, into negative territory, and so I think we may see a modest decline in operating earnings for 2022. Uh, when it comes to 2023, my model is is just about flat. Um, I'm having a really tough time getting that to dip uh, significantly into negative territory, even when we do include some relatively pessimistic assumptions about what happens with economic growth. Now, if we do have a recession next year, we would expect that earnings would decline, uh, but I don't necessarily think that they need to decline in line with the long-run average. And one of the things that we keep coming back to is if you look at the decline in earnings during economic recessions from the post-World War II period through uh, 2021, the average decline has been about 30%. If you isolate the period from the late 1960s to the early 1980s, the average decline in earnings during that period was closer to 15%. Put differently, inflation is a friend of corporate profits to a certain extent, and so while we would expect earnings to decline if we have a recession next year, again, we think it would be more to the tune of 10 to 15%, not necessarily in line with that long-run average of 30 But again, the model right now is saying just about flat, maybe even slightly positive, uh, assuming that the economy is, is able to hang in there. So, David, so perhaps another way of looking at this is to sort of separately look at revenue growth and margins. How do you see that evolving uh, over the next year? With respect to revenues, this this dovetails with what I was saying about inflation. Um, if we think about GDP growth, economic growth, you know, some people look at it in real terms, some people look at it in nominal terms. Um, if you have a real contraction in growth of three percent and inflation is only two percent, well, then nominal growth is is negative one. But if you have negative real growth of three percent but inflation of six percent, nominal growth is now three. And and the the point that I'm trying to make here is that Nominal growth tends to correlate very nicely uh, with revenue growth for S&P 500 companies. And so, again, we think that that revenue story um, may be a little bit more uh, positive than what people are beginning to pencil in. Where we're more concerned is is on the margin front. And I mentioned earlier that margins have bounced nicely uh, as we've kicked off the third quarter earnings season here over the past couple of weeks. But we know that higher wages, higher interest costs, these are all things that are weighing weighing on margins. Now, the question is, how much will they weigh on margins? And you know, when it comes to the wage issue, what I actually think is interesting is that a lot of services businesses have been taking their medicine, right? They've instituted hiring freezes, they've been laying off employees, they've been trying to get ready uh, for a period characterized by softness in the economy. Uh, on the other hand, you look at some of the more consumer goods types of businesses, and, and they've been able to pass along higher input costs, higher raw material costs to the end consumer. Um, it does look like there's beginning to be some demand destruction, and I'm not quite so sure that they will be able to continue to pass those higher prices on to the end consumer as we move into 2023. Uh, but again, I think that the wage issue may prove to be less of a problem than a lot of people currently expect. Well, of course, earnings are one part of the story. Valuations are, are the other. And when it comes to equity valuations, 
The level of interest rates obviously is very important in figuring out what an appropriate valuation level is. So we are looking at much higher interest rates today and perhaps going forward. How much of this do you think is already priced into markets and, and do valuations therefore need to come down further? So we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about this and, and trying to figure out, you know, where is the level on the forward P-E ratio where you just kind of throw caution to the wind uh, and begin to step into to equities fairly aggressively. Um, you know, thinking about it, again, using operating earnings as the E in the P-E, if you look at the average price to operating earnings back to the late 1980s, it's been about 19 times. If you look at where we are today, uh, we we are below that. We're closer to 16 times. And if you begin to kind of pick apart the data, what you see is that, you know, yes, in 2008, we saw an absolute collapse in, in valuations. But, you know, for the most part, that operating P-E ratio never really moves that far below 15 times. And so, you know, I think that we're in the process of, of forming a bottom here. Again, I think that the earnings number for next year needs to come down further. But I think on an operating basis, you know, valuations are certainly looking attractive. On a pro forma basis, there's going to be some more room for them to fall, maybe down to 14 times earnings as people begin to factor in what's going to happen in the economy next year. But, you know, I do think that we are getting to the point where there is a lot of pessimism in the price. And, and one of the things that we were chatting about uh, with the team this morning was that it feels to me like something would need to actively go wrong in order for, for equities to take another significant leg lower. I think you know investors know what's going on in Eastern Europe. Investors know that inflation is a problem and the Fed and other central banks are acting aggressively. We would need some new nugget of negative information for me to, sue, to uh, expect that, that valuations would need to re-rate further. One of the big stories of this year has been an extraordinary rise in the US dollar of, of about 20% year over year. What implications do you think that has for US companies? Well, it's having a huge implication for, for U.S. companies, particularly those companies that do a lot of business overseas, uh, one of the largest being the technology sector. And, you know, you think about the weight of technology companies in the S&P 500, you think about the fact that more than 50% of their revenue comes from outside of the United States, and that has definitely had a drag uh, on the earnings of those corporations. You're also seeing it to a certain extent here uh, in some of, the, again, the more goods-producing industries where you know that strength of the dollar when they're operating abroad is say making a tube of toothpaste all that much more expensive for for a foreign buyer and so you know where where I come back to on the dollar issue is that it's not really about level it's much more about rate of change. And the dollar has been a significant headwind so far this year. It will remain a headwind into the end of 2022. But I do think despite it being a headwind this year, there's reason to expect that it could be less of an issue and perhaps even a bit of a tailwind uh, when we look ahead to 2023. And of course, the other thing that, that varies a lot from year to year is energy prices. And we've seen a big spike in energy prices. So how is that affecting our, our view of US equities? So if you look at the, the earnings of energy companies, um, they've really been kind of keeping the aggregate number uh, above water. And, and obviously, that's translated into relatively attractive gains uh, for energy stocks so far this year. But, you know, it's relatively simple, right? The energy sector benefits from higher energy prices. Um, what we are seeing is that these higher energy
energy prices are beginning to impact industries like the industrial sector, the material sector, right, where energy is a key input to a lot of those processes. And again, up until this point, those companies have, for the most part, been able to pass those higher costs along. Uh, But it does feel like, and we're hearing from managements, that, that that may well be running its course. And so, you know, leaving the energy issue aside, while it necessarily hasn't necessarily been a huge headwind so far this year because of that element of pricing power, that definitely seems to be materializing and I think will likely sit front and center uh, as we get the remainder of these third quarter reports. Obviously, we've been looking at the dollar and, and energy and that come, that happens, you know, year to year, you know, from year to year, you get big swings in energy prices or even in the dollar. But the biggest story this year really is something we haven't seen for many, many years, and that's inflation. Uh, that is the big story of 2022. Did that dictate equity winners and losers this year? And if we were to enter a recession in 2023, which sectors would be most vulnerable? The inflation issue is is complicated. And I think the way that I would think about it is is really in, in two pieces. You know, which are those businesses that, that actually benefit from elevated inflation because they have pricing power? And which are those businesses that are negatively impacted because of the first derivative, that being higher rates uh, and tighter monetary policy? You know, what, what's so interesting is if you think about a sector like the financial sector, one would expect that higher rates would be a good thing for the banks, but the bank's performance has been, bank stock performance has been absolutely miserable so far this year. And, you know, you can't, on the other hand, you think about the more cyclical, again, consumer goods businesses or industrial goods businesses, materials, so on and so forth, uh, inflation has very much been been a friend. The clearest area of the equity market that has struggled against this backdrop of higher inflation is, to put it bluntly, the things that had done so well for the better part of the past 10 years. You know, sectors like technology, communication services, consumer discretionary, those really seem to be the areas that have gotten beaten up the most uh, by this higher inflation. Um, Looking ahead to to 2023, um, I think that you'll probably see if inflation does continue to come off the boil, uh, those parts of the market that were hit the hardest begin to perform uh, a bit better. Again, it feels like there's a lot of pessimism in the price, particularly around things like the technology sector. And if we are headed back into an environment characterized by slower growth, lower inflation, and lower rates over the longer term, those those sectors should begin to outperform. And sort of moving maybe one sector above or up from um, from the sector look at, uh, at markets, how are you feeling right now about value versus growth or cyclicals versus defensives? So I, I think that there's probably a little bit more juice in the value trade, but as growth become as economic growth becomes more scarce, I do think you'll see growth stocks begin to perform a bit better. I do think that that will also coincide with with lower rates, and so again, very much a return to the environment that we were in after the financial crisis um, should lead growth to outperform uh, on, say, a three to five year basis, despite there being some gas left in the tank uh, of the value trade as we look to the end of 2022. When it comes to cyclicals versus defensives, um, I do think you want to take a more defensive positioning in the current environment. You know, Income is your friend when uncertainty begins to rise. And while fixed income is obviously providing more income than it has in quite some time, you know, we're also taking a hard look at some of those dividend-paying stocks, things like utilities, uh, consumer staples, and so would be leaning a bit more defensive uh, given the outlook for the economy is is looking a bit a bit soft given where things currently stand. 
And we've also seen some changes in corporate tax policy following the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act uh, earlier this year. So what actually did change and how is that shaping the outlook? And uh, sort of as a follow-up, should we be still thinking about equities as an income generator? I, I think to start, we should still be thinking about equities as an income generator. You know, when we think about the impact of the tax changes that came through in the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, there was a minimum tax of 15% on companies making more than a billion dollars, uh, a 1% excise tax on, on buybacks. You know, to me, as we've kind of crunched the numbers here, there's going to be an impact, but it's it's not going to be the same type of impact that we saw, say, in 2017 when we had a huge tax cut and that really boosted profits uh, in that year. We calculate the impact, the dollar impact, being somewhere between three and five dollars per share, which with earnings hovering around, you know, kind of 200 to 220 a share uh, in the current environment, we, we think is is not negligible, but shouldn't necessarily dictate uh, an investment decision going forward. And again, you know, we do think that that income is an important part of the equation because it does help reduce uh, overall volatility, which I think is is yet to run its course. So how much how much do you think that actual market movement itself is affecting the earnings numbers? Well, we got a great read on that from the financial sector uh, over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, what we saw from the, the large financial institutions is that this market volatility has completely decimated investment banking and, and underwriting activity. Uh, equity trading has, has been a bit sluggish. But the flip side of that is that there's been a nice pop uh, in trading of fixed income currencies and commodities. And that in conjunction with higher interest income, you know, has again led the reports from the financial sector to be a bit better. Uh, than people had originally thought. But you're, you're definitely seeing this volatility manifest itself uh, in, in earnings, particularly across the, the financial companies, but but also more broadly. And, and I would go back to what, what we were talking about with respect to the U.S. dollar. You, know, you, you think about these large global companies that are doing businesses in all corners of the world. You know, the the uninterrupted rise we've seen in the dollar is is weighing on earnings significantly. And again, higher interest costs are, are having an impact as well. Interest rate volatility is, is something like three standard deviations above its long run average. And, and if you're sitting in a corporate finance position and you're trying to figure out what that's going to mean for your profits going forward, that makes it incredibly difficult to do. And so I do think that you're seeing companies do their best, but it, it's very difficult to see things clearly, uh, given how quickly and aggressively things have been moving. So whether it's rate volatility, equity volatility, or, or FX volatility, it's, it's definitely impacting earnings uh, to an extent for a lot of these businesses. So a, a very volatile and confusing year, I guess. Uh, but let, let's sort of finally, I just wanted to sort of back up a little bit and say, you know, Let's let's look at this in the context of a long-term investor's time horizon. What's your longer-term outlook on equity returns? Well, as we show in our guide to the markets, um, valuations are a significant predictor of future returns. And the silver lining to the volatility that we've seen this year, and, and as we were discussing earlier, is that valuations have re-rated uh, to levels below their long-run average. And so you know, I remember at the beginning of the year having some conversations with you and, you know, well, what looks attractive? And, and nothing really looked attractive, right? Stocks were expensive, bonds were expensive. Uh, nobody really knew what to do uh, when it comes to equities as well as fixed income. This re-rating in valuations uh, has boosted our, our expected 
returns. And so things definitely looking better over a 10 to 15 year period for equities, both in the US and around the world, uh, than was the case at the start of this calendar year. That's very good to hear uh, after what has been a very bruising first three quarters of 2022. So thank you for joining us, David. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for having me. Please tune in to our next episode, where I'll be joined by Kerry Craig, global market strategist for our team based out of Australia, for an important conversation on the outlook for globalization in a world where the pandemic, supply chain disarray, and heightened geopolitical tensions have called decades of economic and capital market integration into question. Other than I invite you to read or listen to my Notes in the Week Ahead podcast, where every Monday I share commentary on the latest in the markets and the economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. For even more timely insights, you can also follow and subscribe to my content on LinkedIn. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.